Well, good morning, High Life, and uh, welcome to our service this morning. Uh, greetings from sunny Uganda. This is the day the Lord has made, and therefore we will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, we're going to get into the word this morning, uh, but before we do that, uh, let us have a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we're so thankful um, for your love. We're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful, oh God, because this grace has given us freely all things to enjoy. And as we stand in the joy of the Lord and stand in the bounty of your provision, we just say thank you. Um, Lord, as we um, have a few minutes or spend a few minutes in the word this morning, um, we ask that you light our candles and enlighten our darkness. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, for always being in attendance to uh, open the eyes of our understanding uh, to flood our sight with light so that we can truly see um, the Lord and truly see who we are in him and who he is in us. Thank you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, we have been going through um, the series um, called um, Bringing Heaven to Earth. Bringing Heaven to Earth. And uh, I would really encourage you to go through each of the different sessions, participate in our house church Q&A, uh, because most of the benefit of this would only be realized in the context of community. Um, the Lord um, reveals all of himself uh, to his body, um, not individually, but as a community. So it's in meditating and in discussion with each other. Um, in the context of community that we will truly see. So I want to encourage you to do that. You know, we recognized from the parable of the wheat and tares, uh, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago uh, from Matthew 13, we recognize that it is the mature sons, uh, those who have grown into the full experience of salvation, that will be able to participate in the great harvest of the ages that we are now in. So maturity is very important uh, and, and maturity is on God's mind. Now a function of maturity is elevated thinking. You know, in Isaiah 55 verse eight, uh, the Lord said that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. It says, as higher as the heavens are, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So if we're going to operate like him, um, if we're going to uh, be the mature that would participate fully in his will for the season, then elevated thinking is part of that and we don't he doesn't come down to our level we come up to his level okay um he said he has given us his word that we may come up to his level of thought and his operation in terms of our ways now one of the higher thoughts um, that we must enter into as the mature is thoughts concerning our identity, who we are, okay? Understanding that we are not from here, and not just understanding it as a mental ascent, but 
in terms of our consciousness understanding that we are made we were made in heaven by heaven for heaven and then we're given an earth suit to bring heaven to earth let's say that let's actually say that together i was made in heaven by heaven for heaven and given an earth suit to bring heaven to earth uh, this must become our constant meditation so that it's it becomes part of our consciousness and it and that and 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 that understanding impacting our consciousness opens up a door to a whole spectrum of uh, substance in the heavenly realm um, that we begin to engage with and interact with because faith um, faith grows out of the Word of God and and faith to access grace um, is made available as we as our thoughts are elevated so fundamentally um, we are created to function um, with the heavenly realm and use heavenly resources in our daily operations okay so we must therefore um, learn the ways of heaven which are very different from the ways of the earth okay the thoughts of heaven uh, one of which is thoughts concerning our identity and we'll talk about that in a minute a little bit more about that and then understanding his ways um, because we are created fundamentally to engage with that realm and use the resources of that realm in our daily operations uh, look at this illustrated in john chapter 3 uh, verses 12 to 13 in the new king james jesus said i have told you earthly things and you do not believe how will you believe if i tell you heavenly things no one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. He says, engage. again, he contrasts both realms. He says, I've told you things of the earth, and you don't believe. How would you believe if I tell you things of the heavenly realm? And then he says, speaking about the way he operates, and we are designed to operate. He says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So it is only through our operation from this elevated paradigm that we'll start laying hold of the heavenly tools uh, required to disciple nations. Okay, the heavenly wisdom, the heavenly understanding. You know, like the children of Israel in the wilderness, uh, who were sustained on manna. And as we know, manna um, was actually a heavenly substance that had physical materiality that gave them practical energy for the journey. In like manner, it is only through this elevated paradigm that we will now start laying hold of heavenly wisdom, counsel, and power. Um, that will be useful for us in moving the earth and moving the systems of the earth 
um, in a way that truly uh, replicates what is happening in heaven. So we cannot underestimate the importance of repentance from the old. Now we, we know what repentance is. Repentance from the old way of thinking, repentance from the old way of, of believing, repentance from the old ways, um, which are typified by earthbound thoughts, earthbound assumptions, earthbound culture, and the necessity of an immersion into heavenly bound thoughts and heavenly bound ways. That is what bringing heaven to earth um, starts with. That's the foundation. You can't bring heaven to earth if you don't have heaven's thoughts. You can't bring heaven to earth if you are not um, implementing heaven's ways. And we can't have heaven's thoughts until we have a shift in the understanding of who we actually are. Okay, we're not a people trying to access heaven. We are people who are made by heaven for heaven. We are people who are in heaven, like Jesus said. Okay, and then from there, we are governing on the earth. Okay, and, and it's not just about saying it. There's a consciousness that comes with it as it impacts our identity. But we can't underestimate um, the... Uh, the necessity of a complete repentance from the old way of thinking and old way of operation and an immersion into a new system of thought. Now, now, now you might ask yourself, why, why is it so, I mean, how different can it be? Well, let me, let me have a look at an example um, from uh, the book of Daniel uh, to understand the operation of these things. Look at Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to start reading from verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, into his hand, and some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shina, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Verse 3 says, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of eunuchs, of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and by whom he might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them. So that at the end of that time, they may serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names he gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hannah, or to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Now, I, I, I use this for illustration 
uh, so that we may understand the breadth of the quality of repentance that needs to be had. Now notice this was a time of war and the children of Israel had been taken into Babylonian captivity and you and I know that they were going to be there for 70 years. Okay. Now the king was very specific in how he was going to deal with um, the children of Israel. Now they were already in physical bondage but he wanted to ensure that there was no likelihood of um, them usurping his authority or resisting the conditions of bondage by implementing an intentional strategy. Now, this is what the king did. First of all, he found the best among them. Yeah, the best among them. Okay, the people that they would look to for leadership. Okay, the Bible makes it very clear um, that these were good looking people. They were gifted in all wisdom. They possessed knowledge and, and they were quick to understand. They were very smart people and they were some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. So they were royalty. They were people that people would look up to um, naturally. And this is what he did with them. The first thing he did was he handed them over um, to the master of his eunuchs. Now, a eunuch is someone who has been castrated. Um, um, uh, the ability to reproduce after their own kind has been removed. Now, when he says he's the master of his eunuchs, these four men that were chosen, these nobility, um, were castrated. They were, they were eunuchs. And that's why you don't hear about the sons of Daniel, the sons of Azariah, um, 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 you know, Hananiah, Mishael. And, and um, yes, you, you don't hear about their sons because they were, they were eunuchs. So they were, they were castrated. So the, the ability to reproduce after their own kind was removed. Now, in this case, it was just physical, but, and the, the Lord ensured that the spiritual ability to reproduce and create a legacy that was, uh, that was of the kingdom, a seed of the kingdom was intact. And we see that in what happened in their lives. But the first thing the devil will do in time of war to keep you in bondage is to remove the capacity to be able to reproduce after your true nature. And then we see here that, um, that he put them under instruction so that they may learn the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Okay, so he, 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 he changed their language. Your language is your vocabulary. Not only does it express your thought, but it produces a range of vocabulary. Um, it, it, it carries with it culture and, and all these wonderful things. So he changed their language. So the way they communicated themselves was no longer in Hebrew. It was in, in the tongue of the captors. So he will try to give you a new vocabulary, a vocabulary that is not of heaven, a vocabulary that is of the earth. So he changed their language and then he changed their literature. Uh, he wanted to he wanted them to learn a different literature a different paradigm okay um it was interesting i i heard something recently um about um some um you know person talking about you know i, I believe it was in the uk one of the uk 
um, aspirants uh, for prime minister talking about removing literature from the curriculum. I and mean, that's a very dangerous thing because in literature, you communicate your history, where you've come from, where you are. You know, you, you examine the culture at the different times. You, you can trace your pedigree um, through, through, through poetry and, 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 and wonderful expressions of language. Okay, he wanted their literature to change the the way they called themselves. Whenever they call their names, he wanted them to call their names in a different language, and then he even changed their names. Okay, he changed their names the way they communicated with themselves. He changed the the way they communicated with themselves, the way they communicated with others, and the range of their vocabulary and and even understanding of culture and history. This is a strategy of warfare to bring you into true subservience. Their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names came from their identity, uh, which was in, in, in the Hebrew God uh, and the only true God, uh, Yahweh or Jehovah. Um, and remember, everything was done according to um, verse 6, so that at the end of that time, they may serve before the king. So everything that was done, the, the selection of the nobles, the changing of their language, the education in their own culture, the changing of their names was so that they would enter into a system that leads to complete servitude without any memory and therefore any inclination to resist and to usurp and to break free yeah it's complete domination now again the name daniel for instance means god is judge jehovah el el is that uh, is elohim god is judge anana uh, hananiah means yahweh is gracious mishael means who is what God is, or God is awesome. Azariah means God has helped, or Yahweh has helped. So their, the identity of their names came from their identity in Jehovah God. But Nebuchadnezzar changed um, Daniel's name, for instance, to Belteshazzar, which means Baal will protect. So Baal is one of their gods, in uh, one of the gods of, of, um, um, of Babylon. Shadrach means inspired of Aku. Meshach means belonging to Aku. Aku is another god. Abednego. Abednego means servant of Nego. So he wanted them, whenever they communicated or, or they talked about their names, he wanted them to identify with a different god, a demonic spirit. Whenever they spoke language, he wanted their language to have the breadth of vocabulary that was of Babylon. Whenever they 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 con they talk they talked about dealing with issues, they would draw. He wanted them to draw their identity and their range of expression and vocabulary, and even imagination from a an alien culture. Okay, and that is what the enemy has done. That's what the enemy has done, and. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're born, um, you know, the Bible says uh, in Ephesians that we're, 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 
were by nature the children of wrath, okay? Um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, okay? So, so that nature of sin um, is a nature that as we were born, we, we, we received that separation from God. Um, we're in a system, you know, the Bible speaks about um, loving not the world or the things in the world because if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then it talks about the things that are of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, 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 and in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it speaks about the enemy, Satan being the God of the world or the God of the world system. So we're in a system that is designed by darkness. We're in a system, a culture, a, a, a range of expression that comes from a, a demonic world, a diabolical system that is alien to God. So when we come into Christ, yeah, um, our ways, the ways we have been, we have been um, inducted, our thoughts, yeah, our language, and when I say language, I'm not just speaking about whether you speak Greek, Hebrew, English, Yoruba, or Latin. The way we communicate with ourselves, our identity, the names that we are calling ourselves, um, because the names we call ourselves are, are typically of the earth, okay? We see ourselves as earthbound, as earthly. Our first identity um, is earthly, is earthly, okay? And that's why the, the part of your identity that is most developed, typically, is either your body or your mind, yeah? Your your spiritual identity, your spiritual range of operation is, is curtailed and cut off. Our educational system is not focused on that because our educational system is focused after the world system. And that's why Isaiah 55 is so important because identity is everything. And he says that his thoughts are different from our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And we, we need a repentance of our current thought system. So it's going to feel very counterintuitive, very alien, okay? But, but it's a 180 degree shift. It's a transcendent shift, but it must happen if we are going to disciple nations. It must happen if we're going to disciple nations um, um, because you cannot disciple nations um, if you are only earthbound. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, verse 4 to 6. I'm going to be reading this from the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4 to 6. It says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons using manipulation to achieve our aims instead our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide we demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes god and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought 
and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with this dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. Now, the first thing I want to bring out is it talks about we're in a military campaign. You know, I talked about Daniel 1 earlier, where this is the result of mil a military campaign. So um, a military campaign resulted in um, Nebuchadnezzar bringing the children of God into subjection. But it is the same military campaign. A military campaign is going to be required. It's going to be required to set us free. Okay? So that we enter into this thing that Paul called the glorious liberty of the sons of God. So my first question, and I want us to discuss this, is what will the consciousness of being in a military campaign look like? In other words, if we're conscious that we need a military campaign to enact a proper repentance, a proper shift from our place of bondage into a place of liberty, what are the hallmarks of that? How would it impact our operation how would we act because we are the bible says in a military campaign for freedom now rather than looking at this verse uh, purely from the perspective of you know how we are meant to engage with the world um, i'd like us to look at this passage from the perspective of where we're at as a people yeah um, so it says we're in a military campaign. That's the first thing. And then it says our spiritual weapons are to um, are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Dismantle the defenses behind with which people hide. So what it's telling us is that for you and I, to fully repent, we need to understand that as a result of the fact that we have been raised in a satanic culture with satanic language and satanic ways of communicating with ourselves, there are defenses behind which we are hiding that need to be dismantled. You and I have defenses that we are hiding behind. I want to recognize that there are defenses that you are hiding behind, okay? And in order to repent, you need to recognize because, you know, we cannot be deliverers when we ourselves are captive. And we need to understand that you and I are captive to certain things, okay? And we cannot deliver anybody until we are captives. And we cannot even begin the journey of repentance until... We have an understanding of our true state. That is the beginning of repentance, understanding our true state. So, um, we are the ones that we must dismantle the defenses behind which we are hiding. Certain things must be demolished 
the deceptive fantasy that opposes God. There's a fantasy that you and I are in, that we think we're in line with God, but we're actually opposing him. And we saw that in the, in the life of Saul of Tarsus. He actually thought he was deceived. You and I are deceived. We're on a spectrum. Some of us are more deceived than others. But we need to understand that, you know, one of the prayers that the Lord taught um, um, Regina to pray, which is in, um, in the final quest, was, Lord, show me the level of my present deception regarding what I know. The devil has done a number on all of us, so we are all operating on levels of deception, and we need revelation of that so that we can repent. So we need to understand that there are deceptive fantasies that we are engaged with that actually oppose God. We each have arrogant attitudes that are raised up in defiance of the true God. We have arrogant attitudes. It's not something you have to confess because it's true. It's not something you can reject because it is true. You cannot use confession to reject the truth. It just is the truth. It's repentance that will reject the truth. So we need to recognize that you and I both have arrogant attitudes that are raised up in defiance of the true God. That's why we say things like, no Lord. That's why we think we know when we actually don't. It says we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. So we have thought patterns that are not in obedience to the anointed one that have to shift. Okay, we have thought patterns. Okay. And um, we, we stand ready to punish every trace of rebellion. So we actually have rebellious traces in us. Traces of rebellion, um, um, thoughts that are, that, are, that, that are resistant to God, um, attitudes that are raised up in defiance of the true God, deceptive fantasies that oppose God, arrogant attitudes, and defenses behind which we hide okay so the questions that go with that and, and they require discussion what does acceptance that you hide result in okay because the bible says that we we hide you know if we if we accept that we are hiding how what shift would result in that in that acceptance What would a consciousness that we are currently under deceptive fantasy resulting? If we accept that we are under a deceptive fantasy, what consciousness would that result in? What does an acceptance that you are currently that you currently have an arrogant attitude result in? You know, arrogant people don't think they are arrogant. So if you have an arrogant attitude, and the Bible tells you that you have an arrogant attitude about certain things, what is the only way I can shift that? Yeah? What is the only way I can shift that? If indeed I have, I accept that I have an arrogant attitude. It says you have existing thoughts that need to bow in obedience to the anointed one. How will you identify those thoughts? How, how can we identify those thoughts? If it says we have thoughts that need to bow in obedience 
to the anointed one. How can you identify thoughts that you have that are out of line with God's, with God's thoughts? How do you do that? Okay. What traces of rebellion are in your life? And how do we identify that? Now, these are all important questions. Okay. And it comes from this understanding of who we are comes from this understanding that we are raised and we, we are immersed in a satanic culture that is cutting off our access to our true identity and therefore our true uh, the true range of thought that are available to us and the true range of, of powers that are available to us and we need to repent okay and repentance begins with an acknowledgement of where you truly are you know let me let me um, end with um, what Jesus said to a church in Revelation chapter 3 is the church of the Laodiceans. If we read from verse 17, it says, Because you say I am rich and I've become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, pure, or poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you. To buy from me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent, because I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, um, looking at this, they thought they were um, rich, wealthy, and had need of nothing. Now, to be rich, wealthy, and have need of nothing is a good thing. But these guys were deceived because Jesus actually said to them they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Okay, But it's clear from his counsel to them that he wanted them to be rich. He wanted them to be clothed with white garments. He wanted the shame of their nakedness to be covered. He wanted their eyes to be open so that they would see, but it would require repentance. And he tells us the way. He says, buy from me gold, buy from me, buy from me. So this is a transaction that is gonna require an action on your part. We're not buying with money. We're not buying with tithes. It says buy from me so it's going to cost you something okay again this is what paul was talking about um in second Corinthians 10 that we are on a military campaign it's going to cost you something okay um for that repentance process because right now we're all deluded to think we're rich we have need of nothing um you know we're you know meanwhile from heaven's perspective we are miserable poor blind and naked that process of repentance it begins with acknowledging where we are and and engaging on the questions i asked okay um and 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 embracing practices and operations i'll tell you one thing straight off the bat that prayer that rejoiner prays show me the level of my present deception regarding what i know there's a humility that is required um, just an acknowledgement that even though I feel I know, I actually don't. That's a good confession. Yeah, uh, because it brings you into a heart posture where um, you, you are now open. You are now open because a lot of times we're like the 
the hard ground. We're not even open to the true revelation of God because we think we know. We think we're rich, we have need of nothing. We're not open to it. Um, so so that, that repentance process opens us up. You know, repentance is in degrees. It opens us up um, to begin to see how wretched we are, to begin to see how poor we are, to begin to see how our values are wrong, to begin to see. Uh, because the greatest challenge we have as a community of faith is a self-righteous religious spirit. Yeah, It is the greatest challenge because it blinds our eyes the most effectively. Okay, The arrogance that comes from a self-righteous religious spirit will blind your eye a lot quicker than anything else can. Okay, But the Lord loves us. He wants us to be rich. He wants us to be clothed. He wants us to have need of nothing, but he requires us to buy pure gold. Okay, Let's engage with those questions prayerfully. Let's document what we come up with um, and, and so that we can, as a community, come up with a process that will enable us to actually enter into the glorious liberty, which is the heritage of the sons of God. Thank you for joining me and look forward to seeing you next week.